we have a name for that in uh, modern American religious circles. It's called consumer Christianity. And uh, what it means is, you know, uh, I get what I want and the church is about me. And uh, I decide on what church I go to, like I would decide on what restaurant I would like to go to. How, how is the service? What do they do for me? Not what I can do for them. What can they do for me? And we, we, got, we have some old-fashioned terms for that. Some of you have been around for a while. We might talk about being a, a pew warmer, or we might talk about someone who's a Sunday morning Christian only. We got all those kind of terms that, that, that we use to describe that, that a member might be someone who just simply comes and just sort of warms that pew, or some, someone who just is involved on a very superficial basis of just coming on Sundays and enjoying that and going from there. And so today we're going to talk about how to move beyond superficial membership. What does it mean to be beyond a superficial member? Let me, let me give you some things I think that are just real practical, just practically, what does that mean? It, it means that, first of all, you have deep friendships. I mean, God gave us the church so that we might have a place, there are people who actually know us and we know them and we can lean on them. God knew in this crazy world that we live in that this, that Christianity was not meant to be lived solo. It was meant to be built and lived in community. Someone you can call on. Someone who knows you and still loves you despite the fact of knowing your faults. You know, that's why we as a church offer so many varieties of small groups because we want you to find somewhere, whether it's an early morning group or a late night group, whether it's a service group or a support group or a life group, that you find some kind of group that that you connect with. Because we know in America today, if people come to church and they don't connect in some kind of group setting, more than 50% of them will be gone in two years. If they connect in some kind of group setting, at least 80% of them will stay. Why? Because that's the way church was meant to be lived, in a sense of community. Also, I think to go beyond superficial membership would mean to have meaningful service. It's to to know that you are contributing to a cause that's bigger than you. We know in any organization you might choose to join, that whether you really feel a part of it or not, in great measure comes to do you participate in it. We'd say in many areas, do you have some skin in the game? When you have skin in the game, you stop talking about your church and you start talking about my church. That happens, and when we begin to work together, something marvelous happens. It was so exciting last Saturday when a hundred or more of you scattered around this community and served. I know we were, we were blessed to go and be a part of service in the different housing projects of Compassion 21. It was awesome <clears throat> just to get out there and pray with people and to meet people in those places. But what was just as good was the van load of people that we traveled around town with our members that we got to know better and we got to serve together. There's something that happens when we start serving together. And that's why today is such an important day. Before you leave, we're going to ask each one of you to fill out what we call this faith works form. This lets us know where you're going to serve next year in this church family. The cool deal is the, the slate is wiped clean at the beginning of every year. And just because you were back there with the three years old last year doesn't mean you got to be this year. 
You have a chance to choose again. And those of you who may not have been so involved because of some circumstances in your life, this is a great opportunity for you to experience that kind of community, not just in small groups, but also in that opportunity to serve. And so today's a big day. And then the third thing I think that helps really move us beyond superficial membership is generous giving. Fill in this blank for me, okay? We, we say this in our, our regular vernacular. Put your money where your we know in America that if you really believe something, in something, if you're really an advocate of something, that your money will follow that. And so, you know, as you become a part of this church, I'm telling you, when you, when you give your money generously to the cause of Christ, to the glory of God, there's something great about it. Jesus put it this way. He had a different way of putting it. He says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Say that with me. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, that's odd to me. I think I would have said it the opposite way. I think I would say, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. But Jesus knew there's something that changes your heart when you give to it. And you give generously. And sacrificially, that your heart will follow your treasure. Nobody in this church can say, we all talk about giving too much because we hardly ever talk about it. But today, you're going to have a chance to, to, to fill out a little commitment card and put it in an envelope. And I challenge you to stretch yourself and to embrace the promises of Scripture that when God's people give, God gives back to them. So today's a great day for us. Now, when we think about moving beyond superficial membership, I think almost everybody here would say, you know, I don't want to be a superficial member. I didn't come to this church just to be a pew warmer, just to be a Sunday morning Christian. Yeah, but then we look at this list of deep friendships and meaningful service and generous giving. And, and let's just be honest, there is a problem here. The, the problem is that all of this costs us something. For you to have good friendships, it's going to cost your time. For you to have meaningful service, it's going to cost you some effort. For you to be generous in your givings, it's going to cost you some money. And so that ends up being a pretty big roadblock for us. If it didn't cost us anything, we'd all be doing it. Now, here's the truth. Here's the truth I want to present today. The truth is we'd be willing to pay that cost if we were truly excited about it. I mean, for, for instance, let, let's say that you're, you're, you're young, maybe late 20s, early 30s, and, and you started a career, and, and you really don't like your career, and it just not worked out well, and you don't like your job. And so, so you, you begin to take some tests, and you begin to look at some other areas, and and you find out what you would really love to do. And, and you know if you can get yourself in a position to work in that job that, that your life would be better, you'd better support your family, you'd enjoy work better. And, and so you decide, despite great sacrifice, you're going back to school. 
And you're going to have to keep working your job, but you're going to go to school at night, and, and that's going to take your time. And, and going back to school, my goodness, you hadn't studied in 10 years. That's stretching. That's going to take some good effort. And it's going to cost you a good bit of money to go back. But, but you believe that that career is worth all of that effort because you can visualize yourself working in a job that you really would enjoy. And when we see that, my friends... The money and the time and the effort, I'm not afraid of that. And so the issue for us guys is if we're excited about this and the cause of Christ and this church, so then the other things will follow. And yet we know that sometimes that's sort of a a challenge for us. We know that's true in the church. Many of us can probably remember some point in our life well, we were so excited about church that we did give our money and our time and our effort. And it was a joy. And some of us may find ourselves we're not there. You know, I'm, as a preacher, I'm always interested in what churches are like. And so last weekend, I got to do something that I don't get to do very often. I got to go to two different churches. Obviously, I got to come here. And I got to go to a church on Saturday. It was a Seventh-day Adventist church. And so when I went to both of those churches, I just tried to watch what were the similarities and what were the differences. First of all, the similarities is I noticed in both services like we do today, both churches used inspirational video clips. In in both services, there was really well done worship. In both places, I noticed that people were rather demonstrative. If they liked something, they didn't mind clapping or raising their hands or getting excited. It was also interesting, you remember last weekend, that going to both churches, it was raining, okay? It was a really rainy weekend. So that made it a little interesting. Now, here's some of the the differences that I noticed. Well, obviously here, in a church of Christ, the worship was a cappella. In the other church I went to, there was a, a band. In fact, a really large band. It was very, very loud. Another difference between the two churches, remember it's a rainy day, is that one of the churches, us, we met inside. The other church I went to met on the outside, in the rain. One church, we sat on padded pews. The other church I went to, and I took notes about this, we sat on benches outside. One church service, the one here, lasted an hour and 15 minutes. The service I went to on Saturday lasted three hours and 43 minutes. One service was sparsely attended. If you were here last Sunday, which a lot of you weren't, there were about 847 people in this building, about 200 short. The other service I went was packed with 102,000 people. For three hours and 43 minutes in the rain, And most people got early, got there early, and stayed late. Anybody picked up on what I'm doing? My apologies to the Seventh-day Adventist church, okay? You see the contrast, guys? Why were we willing to go to a place, spend three hours and 43 minutes at a football game, and we're stretched to spend an hour and 15 minutes here? Why would we be doing this? This is absolutely crazy to me. We're willing to to pay good money to walk in, to sit in the rain, in the cold. And we don't 
I don't think twice about it. And yet, here in this building last Sunday, a lot of you weren't here, I'm just being blunt for a minute, because it was raining so hard. Or because you got so worn out at the worship service you attended on Saturday. Now we laugh about that a little bit, but does anybody think that's rather sad? And please don't try to argue with me what I went to on Saturday was not a worship service. There were graven images. I mean, in this state, if we want to try to act like there's not something like worship going on there, we are absolutely fooling ourselves. Now, why would we do that? And why do we have a hard time doing this? I think the blunt truth is we're excited about that. And sometimes we're not as excited about this. Now, how do we get beyond that? How would we get where we would be willing to meet if we got so big, if we had to meet out back and stand, even in the rain? I think we've got to get a vision that would excite us. And so this morning, what I want to do, just real quickly, is share with you four beautiful pictures of who we ought to be as a church. And here's what I believe, is if we will buy into those pictures, if we would catch a vision that we, you and I, could be a part of that, the rest would follow. Uh, Number one, here's some pictures. I, I love this picture. We are the family of God Paul says, Galatians 6, 10, therefore, whenever, whatever, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, everyone, especially to those of the family of faith. Paul says, what the church needs to be is not just a place you attend or warm a pew. What the church needs to be is a family. In a world where the family is being broken down on every hand, what would happen if we became the place where people really experience family? where they experience unconditional love and never abusive. We've got to be that family of God. Number two is the army of God. I like what Paul says in Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Paul understands that we're in the middle of a war and we understand that we've got to be the army of God. It's a militant, brave, courageous, sacrificing army. Today in our world, we're alarmed by what we saw in Paris on Friday. That's scary, the world. We we know we're not dealing with just some isolated people who go crazy. We are dealing with a world war of people who want to destroy everything we believe in and every value that we have. And and, and we get so concerned about it. And we ought to be. But my friends, sometimes I think this is probably the picture we're missing out on the biggest. We act like in the church today that actually it's peacetime and everything's okay. That's why we can be so lackadaisical about it. Everything's cool, man. My life's good. My family's okay. Guys, we're not in peacetime. And your family's not okay. There's a force out there doing everything that he can to defeat your family. Now, when we see our family in trouble, my goodness, we rally. My son Lincoln is in Europe on a study abroad program with Lipscomb University right now. And as soon as this came on, I'm telling you, we are all over trying to figure out where he is and what's going on. And we find out that he is in Brussels. But some of his friends were in 
Paris. And they're doing everything they can to work back to get them back to their home base of London. And man, those are some scary hours. Yesterday we knew that he was supposed to be at the airport in Brussels, but thank goodness he had the sense to not go. Because later we found out there was an ISIS threat against that airport. And I'm telling you now, you get uptight about that, I and mean, you get fired up about that because that is your child. But some of us are so blind about the spiritual attacks that are going on our children, we act like we don't care that they're being picked off left and right by Satan in a war that's actually more dangerous. And guys, if we catch a vision of being that army of God, we'll be willing to sacrifice. And then I love this picture. The hospital for sinners. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If we can catch a vision that we can be the church where people come to who are struggling with life's issues. You see, for too long, people with big problems, the last place they would go would be to go to church. Because we don't look like a hospital for sinners. We look like a place for perfect people because we play at. And my friends, if we can catch the vision that I think this church has been really, really good at through the years, but we could lose. And that's that we're a place that reaches out to the hurting, to the outcast, to the people in the fringes of our culture and society who nobody else is going to love. And we be that place of love. If you could get engaged in that kind of ministry, I'm telling you, you'd be excited. And then one more thing here is we are the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, God placed all things under his feet. That's Jesus and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. I I love this picture, man. This may be the best one, is that we are the body of Christ. In, In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about that we are members of his body. Can I tell you that the, the, the term I used at the beginning of this lesson, superficial membership, is an oxymoron. So like government intelligence, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's just, it's, sorry, it's an oxymoron. It, the, the two words superficial and membership don't fit together because what does it mean to be a member? It's a word used from body. It means your arm is a member tied to your body is there any way your arm could just be superficially tied to your body it's an impossibility and, and, and to be say i'm a member we, we we take that as sort of a light term to, to, to say you're a member of the landmark church means that you're an integral part of this body and, and what are we trying to do all together here's what we're trying to do we're trying to be jesus anybody ever asked you what the purpose of the church is here's the correct answer the, perfect, uh, the purpose of the church is to be Jesus for our world. What should the landmark church do? We better do whatever Jesus would do if he were here. And my friends, when you begin to have that kind of vision, that's going to that's gonna ignite an excitement. If we really believed that here in this place, we're not a part of just doing church, we're not, we're not some kind of consumer church where it's like, okay, tell me what you're doing for me this week or I'll go find the best church. I mean, we're a church that has a vision of being the army of God, the body of Christ, the family of God, a hospital for people that are hurting. Oh my goodness, we get that vision. 
And we'd sit out for three hours and 43 minutes in the rain for that. We'd do it. We'd prove we'd do it. So let me give you a statement. I love this statement from a preacher I really love, Andy Stanley. When we catch this vision, here's what he says. It doesn't feel like we are giving something up. It feels like you have found something better. I love that. If we catch that vision, it doesn't feel like you're giving something up. It feels like you found something better. You don't mind giving up that time or that energy or even your money because you found something worthy of that kind of sacrifice. Better than living your consumer life where you save your money to spend it on what you want to spend on, you save your time to do what you want to do, and you only put your energy of of where you are. When, When you find something big enough and bold enough and godly enough that excites you enough, you'll give your money, you'll give your time, you'll give your effort. Not because it feels like somebody's forcing you or guilt tripping you into this this morning. That's not the goal. The goal is to say, gosh, look who we could be. And in light of that, what are you going to do? It won't feel like a sacrifice. It'll feel like you found something better. And guys, I get to see this every day. I get to see what God is doing in this church. I get to see us be a hospital. One of my favorite stories is the story of David Bratton who came to this town probably 15 years ago with a paper sack with all of his possessions showing up at a halfway house where he met Ed Bice. And just the other day, we celebrated 10 years of sobriety with David Bratton. First five years were up and down, but this church loved him when he sat on this front row every Sunday. I get to see the Quincy Winders. Quincy's a young man who came on his own to Alabama State University to go to school. He has almost no stable family background, but on his own he came here. He ended up playing basketball with Wes Corrin at the Y. They met each other and Wes invited him to church. And Quincy's now a Christian and Quincy's now a student at Faulkner University and so on fire for the Lord, man. I get to see that and I go, hey, man, you meet Quincy, despite the fact he has nothing materially, honestly, no kind of family support in his life, he's probably the happiest person I know in Montgomery today. Man, that's the vision. I see us being an army of God. I got to sit down this week with one of our teenagers Thank goodness they're on retreat today so I can say his name, Dylan Kirkland. And I got to sit and talk to that young man about his future and his desire to be in ministry and that he's a part of the army of God and how he's going to the school every day with his most wanted list, praying for four people that God could use him to change. Man, that's what I get to see. I get to see us being the body of Christ to someone like Dennis Dragrata, who passed away just a couple weeks ago, who's across the street neighbor of Robin Anita McFarlane, who engaged him and Sherry and invited in the church and immersed them into Christ and despite the fact that Dennis had cancer that was incurable the first thing he said to me after was where can I get to work please tell me what I can do I've got a counseling background I love children put me to work the sad thing about Dennis is he never got healthy enough for us to put him to work 
But he was changed and his family was changed. I get to see a lady I was talking to just the other day who really didn't go to church much growing up, didn't have much church background, but her son was reached by the campus ministry here. And she started coming and she had been through a divorce and she had been through a terrible breakup and she had suffered from great bouts of depression. And she came to this church and she's on fire for God. I get to see the married couple, I wish I could name, who came here with their marriage on the rocks, with divorce papers in hand. And yet through people like Al Milligren and other people reaching out to them, their marriage now is on firm footing. I get to see the single mothers who walk in here with everything out of control, and then I'll see a life group adopt them and feed them an incredible meal and take up money for their Christmas so their kids have it. I get to see an army of about 20 college guys I meet with every week who are out of their mind, on fire for God. And one young man in that group who's baptized about 10 people this semester. I get to see a body that loves children so much that you sacrifice your time to work back there. And then I get to see the prayer request cards this past week from little Brady Moore. He's seven years old. And here's his prayer request from last Sunday. Please help me be giveful. G-I-V-E-F-U-L. Giveful. I think, you know what? The rest of us may not get it, but Brady gets it. And guys, when you begin to see the body of Christ be the body of Christ, when we become the family of God, when in this crazy world we become a militant army of God, when we become a place that is a hospital for sinners, my friends, we have a motivation that will change us and change the world. And no longer does it feel like we're giving something up. It feels like you found something better. When I see the text messages that Tammy Frazier sent this week, who was baptized last week, she writes Tim Lee, Tim, it's amazing. I feel so confident now, and a lot of my anxiety is gone. It's like a weight has been lifted off of my shoulders. My friends, I invite you not just to fill out a card, not just to tell us what you're going to give of your money. I invite you to be the body, the family, the army of God. I invite you to be a member. A member so tied that if we lost you, the body of Christ would be crippled. And if we'll catch this vision, it won't feel like we got to. It'll feel like we get to. Watch this video. You know, what we're talking about this morning is, is, is we don't want to be a superficial second chair church. You know, where you just sort of, just, you know, you know what it's like. You just sort of go to church, but we're not the church. God's called us to be the church. And, and I think that the great barrier of, of what we're seeing today is somehow Satan convinces us our life is better in the second chair. We, we don't have a vision of what living that surrendered life would be. 
we, we think it's just going to mess us up because of all the commitments and surrender that's involved of our time and our effort and our money. And so Satan says, man, just, just be superficial with church and just be selfish with your time. But here's what I'm believing this morning. If we could see what it's like to live that surrendered life and to be a part of the cause of Christ in the world, then you and I have a reason to wake up every morning. We have a reason for everything we do. And, and honestly, when we get there, and most of us have been there at some point in our life, we're not worried about our time and our money, our effort. It, it just comes. And it doesn't feel like we're making this huge sacrifice. It actually feels like we're doing something better. And we found something better. And that's what I invite you to today. If today you need to to move chairs from superficial Christianity and being a superficial part of this church, then why don't you come forward and let the church know? If you skipped church last Sunday because it's raining, why don't you repent of it? You think I'm joking. I'm saying, guys, isn't it time that we saw how good God's got it for us? And we go, you know what? I don't care what it costs me. I want to be in on what God's doing that, that's what I want. I'm stopping counting my dollars and counting my time and being chintzy. I just want to be a part of the work of God. So if today you want to make that commitment publicly, why don't you come right now while we stand together and sing?